The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. For the second time, because audio issues ruined the first. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day, Dan. Happy Brandon Day. And wait, should I call you Dan or should I call you Mr. 5K? Yeah, you can call me Mr. 5K. Me and my boy Pete, we're, we're both going for the Hall of Fame right now. Baseball joke. Um, I'm tired today, man. I had a rough night of sleep. How you doing? Yeah, I could tell. I woke up and all of a sudden I saw uh, you were responding to tweets and it said like 4H, which means four hours ago. And that means it must have been about 4 a.m. Like, oh, good old Dano is up uh, nice and early or very late. Yeah. uh, Yeah. In between was the correct. Uh, Dano tried to go to sleep at a normal time, struggled mightily with it. And uh, yeah, folks that have listened to this podcast for a long time know that I've discussed my my digestive issues on the show. I don't want to get into too many details. But it made it hard to sleep. It was hard to sleep. That's basically what it came down to. So I thought, all right, I'll check the news. And I checked the news, and I became sad. And then I checked my fantasy teams, and I became happy. And then I was still feeling crummy. And so I thought, all right, screw it. I'm just going to look at Twitter at 4 in the morning. And uh, 5,000 Twitter followers. I can't believe this. What a, what a crazy day. I, I mean, I never talk about that stuff on this podcast. But 5,000 feels substantial that feels like a thing like i hit a landmark so thank you to everybody that has followed me on twitter you guys are all bonkers because uh you know we're really brandon can speak to this as well we just watch a lot of basketball but the fact that you trust us to to help you carry your fantasy team through is uh is awesome so thank you and i guess i don't know what the hell's the next landmark now am i shooting for 10k that could be a while yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully you don't go like Bernie Mac and lose like 16 or 17 followers and you become Mr. Uh, 4,999 <laughs> or something nice, like that. Nice reference. R.I.P. Bernie. That was uh, when the hell did that movie come out? Mr. Five long time ago. Long time ago. Was it three? Was he at five or was he at three thousand in that movie? Three thousand. It was Mr. Three thousand. And then all of a sudden you got a hit taken away. Sorry if it's a spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen it. Yeah. And not- so- <laughs> He becomes Mr. 2,999. If you haven't seen Mr. 3,000, the pride of 2004's uh, comedy box office releases, Brandon just spoiled it for you. You son of a bee. You 16 years. You couldn't wait any longer? 16 years. Sorry. I waited 16 years. I couldn't hold out anymore. That's, that's the statute of limitations on spoilers for Mr. 3,000. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website. I honestly, I promote so many things on this show. Sometimes I forget to just do the old-fashioned. Go check out hoop ball. Hoop ball fantasy on Twitter. Hoop ball tweets is the sort of big umbrella one that covers everything. But we've got these these amazing articles that come out. The the waiver wire stuff. The the premium things are incredible. I don't promo the site nearly enough. So thank you to hoop ball. You guys got this podcast started. Uh, and and started me on this weird road to 5,000 Twitter followers, but yeah, there's great stuff at the website too. I, I and I spend so much time promoting the the gambling Twitter, hoopball gaming, and the DFS side, and and Brandon, we promo your Clippers show and all the team pods, and sometimes I just forget to say, go to hoopball every once in a while and just see what's hanging out on the homepage over there. Uh, today is Wednesday. It's it's Brandon Day, which means it's buy low, sell high day. I imagine you've got something up your sleeve here post-trade deadline. There have been a lot of moving values over the last week. 
Yeah, but before we get into that, I do want to uh, – I'm not sure if you've done it yet, so stop me if you have done it. Have you discussed Rashawn Holmes yet and all the people that are now saying should we drop him? I actually have I, – I recorded this podcast in reverse, but I okay. do – I want your thoughts on that as well. I have about a six-minute rant coming up later in the show on Rashawn Holmes and the should I drop a top 25 guy. I'm guessing, by the way, you presented this. By the way, Brandon is on Twitter at BD Marcus while we're talking about it. I'm at Dan Bespris. I'm guessing from the way you presented it that your feelings are fairly similar to, to what I uh, yell and, and rave about later in the show. But where are you sitting on this whole process? Yeah, it's interesting because it's funny. All the people that are asking me questions now on Twitter, it, it's got a weird theme where people are kind of giving up on guys. And we're now getting to the point of the season where we only have, I think, four weeks left if you're in a head-to-head. And if you're in a head-to-head and a guy like Holmes – is preventing you from making that leap in the playoff push. You're in seventh or eighth place, or you're in sixth place, and you're barely holding on, and you want to drop Holmes. I understand that part, but first explore a trade for him and see if someone will take him, because most likely someone will, and most likely you'll be able to get like a top 75 performer in exchange for him, because I understand if he's soaking up a spot on your team and it's killing you and it's making you lose matchups, which frankly it has been with one of my teams for a while, but I'm still tied for first place. So it's, it's not really a concern for me. But if you're struggling to make the playoffs, I understand either a drop, but most likely try and trade him because I'm pretty sure someone will take him. If you're in a roto league like you are, Danny, I mean, I, I really would just hold on to him and, and really just just wait. Because like you said, it's a top 25 guy. If you get him in, let's say, three, four weeks, don't forget the All-Star break does help a lot, then you should be okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the reevaluation in two to three weeks is is a buzzkill. I'm not going to do my whole rant here early because I'm going to there's, there's already a whole bunch of stuff on it later, but yeah. the, the, the gist of, I think, what I'm going to be yelling about is he has to be treated like a top 25, top 30 guy. He's You can't treat him like a waiver wire dude, even if you drafted him in the last round or picked him up two weeks into the season. That's not who he is anymore. You have to treat him like the guys around him in the top 30. You have to treat him like Kyle Lowry, like Devin Booker, like Rudy Gobert, like Zach Levine. And those dudes, there's no way, Brandon, people would be asking you, hey, Zach Levine's going to be reevaluated in two and a half. This is hypothetical. He's fine, by the way, you know, just making this up. No one would ever ask you, should I drop Zach Levine if a report came out today that he was going to be out for two to three weeks? No one would. Yeah, and we're now getting to the point of the season where if you go to the rankings um, and you look at Basketball Monster, for example, and you look at the guys that are in that 25 to 36 range, it's guys who are good at basketball. It's Vucevic. It's then Holmes, Capella, Beal, Giannis, Lowry, Booker, Simmons, Walker, Gobert, Siakam, Levine. We don't have funny business anymore with guys like P.J. Tucker that are up there. It's not the case anymore. It's guys who are actually good at basketball. I mean, you continue on. You see Curry, DeRozan, Westbrook, Holiday, Adebayo, Porzingis, Covington, Oubre, Hayward, Sabonis, Brooke Lopez, Donovan Mitchell, all good at basketball. So like you said, you you have to treat this guy like the player he was before he got hurt. So yeah. I think that's – I didn't want to go too far into it if you'd already co- uh, covered it, and it seems like you're going to cover it later on. But a lot of questions are coming up in general about just – Injured players, should I add them? Should I drop them? Lots of fringe questions, and it seems like people are panicking. Like, remember a couple of weeks ago, everyone was like, all right, add Derek White. All right, now we're dropping Derek White. Add Damian Lee. Guess what? These guys are most likely going to be good for about a week or two, and then you're going to drop them for the next biggest thing. So don't worry if you miss out on somebody or 
if you want to go and grab somebody, you're worried that the guy you drop, who isn't very good, is going to get a spark and suddenly become a top 50 guy. It's probably not going to happen. So just go ahead and ride the momentum. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it speaks actually to the the reason that I am so patient, I think, and, and we preach a lot of that on the podcast, yeah. because there are really only... <laughs> I, you know, I've made this joke a hundred times in the past, but there are only 50 guys inside the top 50. There are only 75 guys inside the top 75. So when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you have someone who has that type of upside, you have to give them a little bit more leash. It's why I preached patience with uh, Mike Conley and uh, who the hell else have we talked about before? I, uh, even Larry Nance right now is a guy I'm preaching patience with because, I mean, he might end up dead. He might end up completely useless, but he really only needs about 24 minutes to be a useful fantasy player, and they could find a way to get him that. It's why these guys where you've seen them do it before, you just have to give a little bit more leash because Brandon brought up a lot of names that are in that, that same general area, like the 125 range. They're going to have a hot week, and then they're going to have a bad week, and then they're going to have a hot week and a bad week. And so Jay Crowder is going to be on and off of rosters over the next 10 days. You don't need to worry about those types of guys. The ones you want to be focused on are the ones that have done it and can do it again and Rashawn Holmes is well beyond that mark right now. Not only has he done it, but he's been a a difference-making, a game-changing, like significant positive impact guy, and he needs to be treated as such, not as a waiver wire pickup. Uh, but anyway, again, Brandon Marcus, at BD Marcus on Twitter. Let's get this party started. Who you got for us? Number one on a buy low list, um, I'm going to go with the opposite of someone that you like a lot. Um, I'm going to go with his counterpart. I'm going with Steven Adams. Now that he hasn't been traded at this trade deadline, it seems like Nerlens Noel is taking a little bit of a step back. That role is assured for Adams, and I think this all-star break is going to be pretty important for him to make sure he stays healthy and or rather gets healthier. Right now he's at t- about 11 points, 9 rebounds, 1.1 blocks. I think yesterday he had four steals. His steal number seems to be a little low. Right now it's at 0.7 per game. And traditionally, he's a guy that gets more than one per game. So I think that improves, and because of that, his value goes up, and I think his numbers will go up as well now that he gets healthier. So Adams is a buy low for me. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that one, actually. I He seems like he's trending in the right direction. By the way, as, as a side note, I'm not that worried about Nerland's Noel. I actually think that his eight-minute game yesterday was – more of a buy low opportunity than anything else, but that's not the guy we're talking about right now. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the all-star break note in particular. He's been playing pretty damn banged up almost the entire season, and you can kind of look at his game log to find that arc to see when he's been healthy and when he's been hurt and look at when he's missed games, and then right when he's come back, his minutes have been lower and his production's been clunky. So if you can get him... Now, while he's kind of revving back up, look at the last time he missed games. January 22nd and 24th, he missed two games. And then since coming back, he's played an eight. And his minutes in those eight games, 23, 24, 26, down to 23, 30, 29, 30, 32. So all of a sudden, in February, his minutes jumped up by four or five per game. To me, that screams health more than anything else. And then yesterday, as you already noted, four steals a steal for the first time in five games. As guys get healthy, they start to do the things that we're used to, and if his minutes are in the 30s, he will be better than where he is right now. So the question then, Brandon, is how do you get him? 
What do you give up to get Steven Adams? What kind of guys do you think would get that job done? Well, I would say like a top 80 guy. Um, so I would go ahead and trade. I don't know if somebody would do a Josh Hart, for example, um, an OG Ananobi, a um, Paul Millsap. Uh, I think I would trade Brandon Clark away to get Steven Adams. I know that seems crazy, but I think I would. Just because more playing time, I would trade away Jeremy Lamb to get Steven Adams. Um, <laughs> trade away probably a Draymond Green because shutdown will probably happen eventually. Uh, Murray, Deontay Murray, I do, do. Marcus Morris. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I think all those names that would uh, I would trade away. What about you? Do you think you could get him for Montrez Harrell or Montrez trending down too hard at this point? It's possible because of name value, but I'm not sure if that name value is still holding strong because Harrell, where is he even at right now? He's, about, he's about half a round behind Steven Adams. They were actually uh, they were right next to one another before yesterday's ball game. Yeah, I, that's another one. I mean, if you want to go even lower, I can't believe Morant is still at 113. Um, Dennis Schroeder's at 112 also, which is crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, he got up to a slow start this year. He's been He's been coming on a little bit lately. Yeah, I, I would trade away. I, I would trade away in Ingles if you're able to do that. Probably not. Dylan Brooks, PJ Washington, those guys below. Anyone probably below. There's only a couple that I would hold on to. Yeah, I, I would trade most of those guys to get a guy like Steven Adams because he was top 80 last year, and I think he'll be able to jump into the top 100 when all is said and done. All right, I'm on board with it. I got nothing. I got no more arguments for you. What? What's uh? Who's player number two? We'll move along quickly on this one. Let's sell high on LaMarcus Aldridge. Two great games in a row, both of those games without DeRozan in the lineup. He's at 24 for the year. The Spurs, I believe, now are four and a half games back of the eighth spot. Just a matter of time before they fall off because I think the teams above them are better. And because of that, I'm selling LaMarcus Aldridge. He's probably going to be shut down at some point. That's a guess. But just because of that scary risk, I'm selling LaMarcus Aldridge and I'm getting someone Let's say like a Devin Booker. I know that could be another one that could be shut down, but I don't think Booker would get shut down. A Kyle Lowry, a Ben Simmons, a Kemba Walker, a Rudy Gobert, Pascal Siakam, uh, Zach Levine, all those guys. I think I would take over Marcus Aldridge. Yeah, I was looking to because we're at a part in the season now where it's hard, I, and and maybe you feel differently on this one. For me, I think it's hard to trade uh, a big for a small unless you're actually really trying to make a move in that direction with your stats. If you're trying to kind of stat match a little bit. Uh, do you think you could get Vooch for him? Do you think you could get... I, I think you probably could get Siakam for him. Yeah, I think you could get both of them, possibly. Um, and also, maybe you might might be able to get um, a guy like Paul George. Um, I, they actually have kind of similar numbers, surprisingly enough, except for, obviously, the blocks. And, yeah, I, I would aim I would aim high in that regard because you don't know what someone thinks of LaMarcus Aldridge. Is Rudy Gobert too far down the list with his god-awful free throws, or is that a move you'd, you'd consider making? Uh, I think I would consider making that move. Hmm. So you're, but you got to make sure your team can handle the hit they're about to take at the foul line. Yeah, 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 for sure. But you're also getting such a huge jump at the, uh, in field goal percentage. I mean, you're going from 50% to 69%. That is true. A, a rebounding bump. A slight blocks bump, but yeah. man, I didn't. By the way, I didn't realize Rudy Gobert was taking six free throws a game this year. That's a lot. <laughs> That's yeah, a, yeah, it's lot. not great. And I think I've been losing free throw percentage because I have him in a league. I have him and Whiteside, um, and then Jason Tatum decided to go five of nine yesterday, which was not welcome. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. I mean, he's an eighty-two percenter, so he'll have he'll have yeah. a game where he goes, uh, you know, eleven for eleven here in the near future, and it'll all all balance itself out. 
Uh, do you think you could? I I want the one. The name I really want to hone in on here is Vooch. To me, he feels like the best comparison player if you were mm-hmm. going to punt on Aldridge. But do you feel like other people might be as worried about the LaMarcus shutdown and you might need to attach something else to it? Even though right now Aldridge is, is ranked well above him. Two slots, Bonna per game. LaMarcus has played seven more games than Vooch to this point. So value-wise, you would technically be trading down, but I think people do have that slight fear. I, listen, I love LaMarcus. I think he'll play until they're mathematically eliminated. Um, yeah. But, you know, that might be four or five games left in the season or whatever it turns out to be. Vooch is not – their their stats line up pretty tight. You, you take a little hit in percentages, you get a little bump in rebounding and assists, but otherwise it's almost a dead heat. Yeah, no, it's, it's very close. And because of Vucevic staying on the floor most likely, I'd probably do that deal one for one. But I wouldn't attach somebody else. I, I don't think I would go crazy. Um, I had somebody today on Twitter that was asking me, should I trade Devin Booker because I'm scared of the sun uh, shutting him down? Should I do Mitchell and somebody else? And it's like, I don't know why you're trading away the best player and trying to get two pieces back. I mean, if you're going to trade away a guy like Devin Booker, trade away someone that's as good. Don't downgrade. Yeah, it's um, – by the way, I don't think I don't think the Suns shut him down because he's been shut down every year of his career. I, I, I think he wants to show he can play out most of the string here. Um, what if you were on the side getting LaMarcus Aldridge? Would you send Vooch away for this slight increase in production despite the fear? No. No. Okay, so uh, let's let's put ourselves on that side of this equation. What would it take with LaMarcus Aldridge to get Vooch off of your hands? Someone in that, I don't know, 70 range? Would that get it done? Like, a, oh, I don't know, Evan Fournier, Draymond, Terry Rozier. Would that be a, a useful enough side piece to get it to get it together? Are you turning around my cell to a buy, Dan? I'm just, well, no, not necessarily, because I'm just trying to make sure that, because we're like, well, here's the guys we would give, or he's the guys we would target, but yeah. the reason that we would target them is because, you know, they that's a guy we'd rather have. Uh, so I'm just trying to put us on the other side of this equation and say, hey, if I was going to give away Vooch and take on Aldridge and whatever, you know, whatever fear there might be on that one, which, by the way, you know me as a Roto guy, so it's, I have less fear about everything. What right. What is the extra piece it would take to get, Vooch for for to get you or me to be willing to part with Vooch and and I feel like the answer is someone in that 60 to 70 range yeah because I don't think after you get past 70 those are names that are really hit or miss so I think that that's about (laughs) right range Um, and yeah I mean if you have games cap and you're roto style it doesn't hurt you as much if Aldrich ends up sitting at the end I mean that doesn't if a guy gets shut down it's very easy to just drop him and add somebody else. And, for example, Jakob Pertl. I mean, that's easy for you to go ahead and just do that. If you have Aldridge and you have the empty spot, and let's say you have that weekly lineups lock, so the guys on your bench you don't end up using you usually anyways, then a guy like Jakob Pertl is a great stash to have if you own Aldridge, just in case that does happen. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I think I would, I think I would take the LaMarcus plus... Uh, like an Al Horford or a TJ Warren. I think that would get it done for me. Speaking of Horford, a lot of people on Twitter now saying, should I drop Al Horford? I, I think if I, I mean, I, I think I tweeted it yesterday. I'm not quite crazy enough to call it a buy low, but if anything, it's actually a buy low. Yeah, but it's interesting with them because I haven't been a fan of Josh Richardson. And yesterday 
he really walked himself into two blocks. There were two silly blocks where George forced two shots. Um, and he had got hot with, I think it was 16 points or something in the fourth quarter, maybe more. The one thing that worries me about Philly is that you don't know who's going to get theirs outside of Simmons and Embiid night tonight. Harris has been consistent, but then you have Richardson and you have Al Horford. All five guys most likely are not going to eat night tonight. So with Horford, I understand the frustration, but keep in mind that Embiid is a walking injury and that Horford still can play, I don't know, 20 minutes and still get you enough steals and rebounds. He was very good off the bench yesterday. Yeah. So if they, I, they keep center. him off the bench, he's going up against second units, which is great for him. Yeah, and it gets him minutes at center, which is also great for Horford and basically yeah. for any big man. They want to be near the bucket. Stretching him out to play power forward, it, it kills all uh, half the areas of their value, which is field goal percent, rebounding, and blocks. Yeah, so uh, I'm good with buying on Al Horford. Right now he's 63 so uh, that's you, something you might if you might be able to prime off an owner for, that uh, is upset with him. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, lob some dudes out there that are in the 100 range. You might be able to get him right now because those owners are going to be pissed. And as you just I mean, as you saw and just mentioned, Brandon, people are thinking about dropping him. Go, go give him the Andre Iguodala treatment here and give Memphis, <laughs> give him something just to get the trade. So, you, you know, you're not waiting for the buyout market. Maybe you have if you have low waiver priority. You uh, you definitely want to go throw a buy low offer out on Al Horford. If you have high waiver priority, you might just wait it out, see if he has a couple of clunkers, and maybe you could scoop him up that way. But I mean, looking at some of these guys, let's see. Daniel House is picking up steam right now. Maybe he's hot enough to get the job done. Uh, if you've stashed Wendell Carter Jr., maybe that would get it done. I love Daniel Tice, but I would certainly give him up for Al Horford, one Boston uh, well-rounded center for a former one. There's a lot of guys in that range. Serge Ibaka, because I think Gasol's coming back after the break. Plenty yeah. of guys in that 85 to 105 range that that I would happily sell off for Al Horford. He'll be fine, man. This is this is just what Big Al does. He might even be better. I yeah. mean, his field goal percent is crazy low this year. If he's playing center, that's coming up. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what he's done, I want to see how he's what he's ranked recently. Not yeah, great. like last week, last two weeks, he's like a 150 or something. But for the season, he's still around 62. So it tells you a little bit about him and uh, the ability he's got. I mean, he shoots a three. He'll, it's not pretty numbers. I mean, his points and rebounds aren't like the prettiest, but he gets everything. So any low turnovers, which really does help. Yep. Blocks, steals, rebounds, assists. And the only thing that's missing, he's way below his career mark in field goal percent. I cannot stress this enough. If you put him near the bucket, that number's going to come up. And I know only he took four shots in that game against the Clippers yesterday, but he made three of them. Very small sample size. I get it. But to me, that's not a coincidence that they played him at center against second units and his shot selection was better. Not yeah. a coincidence. Uh, wide open shots, shots against crummier defenses. He can orchestrate the offense. Uh and, and like you mentioned, the low turnovers. He, he, can, he can just walk into top 75 value even when he doesn't have to do anything. He probably wasn't on your buy low list, though, huh? Did I, did I jump the gun on that one? No, he wasn't on my buy low list, but it's fine. It's good to, uh, it's good to put him there. Uh, we can quickly go over one of my other buy lows. I only have one other. And uh, it's still Mike Conley. Uh, I know he's been good recently, but the ability to be top 50 and what he's shown over the last couple of weeks, and I think people might be frustrated now with this uh, sickness combined with maintenance, and he's going to sit back-to-backs. I don't know how many Utah actually still has left, but I still think Conley's a guy that you can probably get 
for – we were talking about those guys earlier that are in that 80, 75, 80 range. I think you could give those guys up. A guy like Josh Hart, for example. Daniel Tice, I would give up for Mike Conley. I would give up Thomas Bryant. I'd give up Derek Rose. I'd give up Dunn. Millsap, yeah, I would give up him. I'd probably give up Boyan Bogdanovich, even though that one's close. Um, P.J. Tucker, I'd give up. Gasol, I'd give up. Markkinen, I'd give up. All those guys, I'd give up for a guy like Conley. All right, I'll tell you right now, if I have Conley, I'm probably not giving him up for most of those names that you mentioned. Right, right. It's possible. It's possible that the person who has him um, is may hold a little bit tighter. And frankly, I have him now in the league as well, and I probably <laughs> would hold tight. But, but still, it's, it's worth floating out there to see if the Conley owner is holding tight um, or if they are concerned. The reason why I brought it up is because it's now two games in a row where, they, where he's sat. If Millsap looks really good, I'm assuming his minutes are going to trend up here shortly because he's looked amazing in limited minutes off the bench. Uh, he's a guy that might soon get the job done on that front. Here's one that blew my mind. I did not, and I and I actually, I'll talk about this a little bit more later in the show myself. I did not realize until earlier this morning that Malcolm Brogdon had fallen to number 85. When I know that's that why happen? I keep avoiding his name every single time I'm bringing it up. It's but it's, yeah, that's crazy. His field goal percent has collapsed. He's sub 44. This was this was a 50 40 90 guy last year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. It's really odd. And uh, Oladipo's field goal percentage has been awful, too. Um, it's interesting what's happening with Indiana. And we were worried about some of those guys like Warren and Lamb. And it, it seems like it's really hitting others as well. I would not trade Brogdon away for Conley. I feel like yeah, Indiana is going to get this. Name. Yeah, they're, they're going to get this settled and his field goal percent will come back up a little bit. Yeah. By the way, this is just a future. Stash this for next year because this always happens. It seems like where a guy gets opportunity a la Whiteside and he goes off because we've seen what he can do when he does get opportunity. When Miles Turner eventually does leave Indiana, which is most likely going to happen this offseason, he immediately becomes a top 30 guy. J- just so everybody realizes for next year, when he if he becomes a starting center wherever he goes, pounce all over him because people are going to sit on what he did this year. But look at what he does when Sabonis sits. And you can see why he's so good and why we all liked him so much. I do love a good post-hype draft pick, and that would be the yep. one after a guy has a down season. Yep. Thinking about other names that might get you Mike Conley back, would you would you trade away Brandon Clark to get Conley? He's number 80. Yes. You would. Okay. Um, would you trade away Terry Rozier to get Conley? Yes. Ah, what about Devontae Graham, his teammate? By the way, they're ranked 78 and 77. They're right next to each other. Yeah, if you need threes and assists, I would not get rid of Graham um, because he's elite at those. But his percentage is, his field percentage is awful, and he turns the basketball over a decent amount. Truly, so, truly horrendous. <laughs> yeah, so it really depends. If you need points, threes, and assists, I would not trade away Graham. But in a vacuum, Conley's a better player. Uh, would you trade away? I think you said you would trade away DeJounte Murray for Conley. Yes. I'm working my way up the list here. Bledsoe versus Conley. That's an interesting one. Um, because Bledsoe is so damn good when Giannis sits. Um, I think I'm holding on to Bledsoe, but it's really close. Yeah, that's probably the cutoff. And that's probably what that around that area is what it's going to take to pry Conley away from somebody. Uh, what about TJ Warren versus Conley? Warren's been, been strikingly good this year. Rather calmly. Okay. So in that range, basically between yep. 70 and like 58, 59, 
is where you're gonna maybe find a match where you where you catch somebody who's like, "Ooh, I like that guy," and you're kind of thinking, eh, "I'm not that high on this guy anymore," and yeah. you kind of there has to be. This is the other element of trading. There's sort of two ways to make trades in fantasy sports. One of them is find a situation where you and your opponent, your or your your trade partner who is also an opponent, value guys exactly the same. If you value guys the same, then it's pretty easy to just find a thing that that you need this stat. Let's just make the flip. The other way is finding a trade partner that values guys differently than you do, where maybe there's someone on your own team that they like more than you do, and they have someone that you like more than they do. <clears throat> and this is where that tie- I think this the Mike Conley trades we're talking about probably fall more into that department because you're trying to catch him before the consistency hits fully. Although I will say, by the way, it's 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 close to too late. You know, he's had like three or four really damn good games now in the starting lineup. And maybe your opportunity here is, like you said, just with this illness slash back-to-back rest. Would you ever, Brandon, would you ever get on the horn with someone you're making a trade with and be like, yeah, but he's going to rest back-to-back, so let me take that off your hands like a car salesman? Yeah, it's possible. But if you have to sell it, most likely it means that uh, there's a reason why. But it's, it's still worth it. It's worth a try. I mean, especially if it's with someone that you uh, you may not know very well. I think it's worth a try. And honestly, I would trade him away for my uh, my final sell high, sell high guy. Oh, and who is uh, it? That's Davis Bertans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's been falling. Yeah. So he's at 53 right now. Um, he's averaging three and a half threes per game. But I, I think now it's what we were worried about initially with guys like Thomas Bryant is that you have Mo Wagner that's now back. Bryant eventually will come back. I don't think it's as soon as they're saying. And if it is, I think his minutes limit will still be pretty low. But you have guys. Hachimura is now back. There are plenty of guys. You're talking about New York having a bunch of power forwards and centers. That's really what Washington now has. And uh, between minutes and Bertans, frankly, not being as good as he was earlier, that is a, that's a sell high for me. And I would trade away Bertans to acquire Conley. Hmm. Interesting. Let me ask you something unrelated here because we're, we're running low on time, but I want to get your feelings on, on one other note. By the way, I agree with you on that one. I think, you, you know, Bertans was always going to have a tough time holding inside that top 40 range because when he went totally bananas was when half the team was hurt. I think he's still going to be good. I just don't think, I mean, you're probably looking at more in the, the guys we were talking about, that 60 to 75 range. What are your feelings on the deadline now that we're almost a week out? What what uh, what are guys that you're maybe seeing surface that you didn't expect? Things that just just a general assessment here, since you and I haven't spoken on a pod since the live show. It was a boring deadline, honestly, for the most part. And it really doesn't seem like there were a ton of. I mean, there's the Napier Ish Smith side where everyone was asking, "Do I add Napier? Do I add Ish Smith?" And it's like, well, they're both going to play. I mean, they really both are going to play about 24 minutes a game. So it kind of caps what they're going to do. If one or the other got hurt, different story. But they're going to trade off games. It's going to be frustrating as hell to figure out who's going to end up being the good player. Everyone was hating on Ish Smith and saying, go add Napier. Ish Smith isn't going anywhere. I mean, he, he's going to keep getting the minutes. So that's one situation that obviously opened up a little bit with Isaiah Thomas leaving. Um, Christian Wood obviously is doing what we thought. Everyone thought that maybe Seku would get more minutes, but it seems like now his coach doesn't like him very much. But overall, I mean, the big losers were Larry Nance for sure and Tristan Thompson for sure. They're both being dropped in leagues, and I understand that. But there's no one really that's emerged big time off the waiver wire apart from, I would say, Christian Wood that piques people's interest. I mean, what about you? 
I'm looking at some of these more fringy guys, and I'm actually kind of excited to see what's happening in the games tonight to see if they can to see if they can stick. Uh, James Johnson is getting more opportunity, and, and I mean, you know, I'm in slightly deeper, slightly more competitive stuff. So uh, that's not a 12 team ad for me, James Johnson. Yeah, probably not yet. Uh, if he looks like he's going to get 25 or more minutes, I might I might scoop him in a bunch of places. Uh, Kyle Anderson looks like he's getting a really big bump, maybe even bigger than I expected. He played. I think 30 minutes in their last ball game. Um, and it's for me and Thon Maker, some of these more uh, yeah. fringy guys. He looks like he could be a block specialist the rest of the way. Yeah, Maker's a guy that's definitely been interesting. I've been asked a couple of questions about him. Um, and that's a, good, that's a good streamer guy. I mean, some of these guys you may hold on to. It's, it's really different for head-to-head versus Roto when we bring these guys up because you have that games cap limit. And Roto is different than head-to-head because you can sit there and not have a guy play on a day. But it, for example, I mean, ESPN, uh, they allow eight pickups this week for the two week. And it's like, all right, then I'm not holding on to a Kyle Anderson for all, I mean, for both weeks. I mean, I'm holding on to him for one day, dropping him and streaming him. Uh, that type of spot, you're better off streaming with that type of player. Yeah, considering they only have the one game this week anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, it's just be careful. I mean, know what your league is. I mean, if you're in a head-to-head you're most likely not going to hold on to a guy like James Johnson. But if you're in a roto, that might help out a lot. This is about the time that I would start streaming in head-to-head, by the way. If they make a push to get those top two seeds, maybe you get yourself a buy in the first round of the playoffs. That becomes a pretty big deal right now. Yeah, exactly. And people don't do it enough. It's when you have a bunch of guys, I mean, I'm being asked about six or seven players. It's like, well, guess what? If you stream that spot, you can go up and down and stream those all those guys. You don't need to hold on to just one of them. I like to stream... Half as many slots as weekly moves I have. So if I'm in a league with four weekly moves, I like to stream two slots. And I'll look for guys that are going to play like three games in four days. That way you don't have to make a move every single day. You know, I might use two moves a week on each of those two slots, but I want to turn them both into at least five game slots like that. I mean, that's what I'm doing in the playoffs too. So plan, for me, plan way the hell out in advance in your streaming stuff. Don't just look on the day of. Look at, you know, the next two weeks and figure out when guys go four times in six days or three times in four days. And that way you, you can actually stream three, four slots in a weird rotation, provided you're just maximizing how often teams play. Remember, uh, you know, the the streaming schedules that folks are using often are, say things like, oh, well, this guy has four games this week, so he's a good guy to stream. But it's important, and, and this is a tough one, obviously, on the two-game uh, All-Star break stuff, but it's really important to look and see when guys are playing. Cleveland, for example, uh, on the 21st, coming out of the All-Star break, maybe you don't have a Cavalier on your team because other teams play on the 20th, but between the 21st and the 29th, the Cavs go six times. Six games on, three days off in that stretch. So six games in nine days. You could stream a Cavalier for nine days effectively and get a whole bunch of juicy games out of it. So this is what I'm talking about when I say I'll stream a whole bunch of slots. And that doesn't really fall on the weekly borderline, you know? Uh, so really look to see when teams are playing. Look for six games in nine days, five and seven, four and six, all these things that allow you to make fewer moves while still maximizing games in multiple slots. You can go nuts with streaming right now. Yeah, and if we find out more about the Bulls situation, who's coming back, I mean, Kobe White right now, Three games in four days out of the All-Star break. I think it goes Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. 
that's an option as well. So you definitely have those uh, those types of players that open up. Yeah, Bulls is a good one. Three games in four days out of the All Star break. Just mentioned the Cavs have really that that six and nine thing going on. Uh, the the Grizzlies actually go six and ten games if that's if that's your thing. Uh, Minnesota goes three in four days starting on the following day. They go uh, Friday, Sunday, Monday coming out of the All-Star break. So that could actually roll you into a game to start the following week. That's all over the map, man. You just, the way I think, for me at least, I look for teams that have multiple back-to-backs in somewhat close proximity. And then you look and see what's happening in between those two back-to-backs. Phoenix, by the way, is another example. They have a back-to-back on the 21st, the 22nd, the 28th, and the 29th. So just like the Cavaliers, they go six times in nine days. There you go. What if you you, you could use two moves, pick up a Sun and a Cav, and stream that spot for nine days, use your other moves to do whatever you want. Find one of those guys we just talked about uh, on the Bulls, three games in four days. Uh, so you're really, there's a lot of really cool ways to maximize games where you're not just picking up and dropping the same one slot every day. Yeah. All well right. done. Well done. Yeah. That, that was impressive, Dan. Yeah. That was really impressive and very, very true. I'm Good tired job. now. <laughs> Back to being tired again. Brandon, thanks, my man. I'll talk to you on our uh, on our lineup show. Sounds like a plan. He's Brandon. He is at BD Marcus on Twitter. It is Brandon Day. BD Marcus, so long. Happy Brandon Day. And a big thank you, as always, to our buddy Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter, which I assume the D stands for the Clippers are all right, despite getting beat up a little bit last night. It is really something, those 76ers, huh? They are all over the map. And by all over the map, I mean any place but Philadelphia, they're terrible. Any other's place on the map. And then in Philly, they're generally pretty good, even when they're getting booed by their home crowd. What a, what a scene, huh? Feel, <laughs> that reminded me of... The uh, Ray Finkel's mom scene in Ace Ventura. What a sports nut, huh? Before we get into the quick, it's a five-gamer, Tuesday recap and a little Wednesday preview, I want to thank Brandon Marcus once again for coming on with a little buy low, sell high as we head into the All-Star break here, coming up in uh, just a couple of days now. Trade deadline information slowly starting to settle in. Today actually is a pretty big day for it. We're We're kind of counting down a few of these games there's just a couple games tomorrow on thursday this is really the night where we're gonna have to make a lot of decisions because after this everyone's gonna be sitting for a week just thinking about moves to make if you're in an unlimited format and if you're in a weekly moves limit you're thinking about whether or not you got spots you can stream Want to remind everybody once again to please drop a five-star review on the podcast if you've been enjoying our fun times here on Fantasy NBA Today. I, I hope you have. We've been working very hard for a couple of years now to, to try to make that the case. And as I promised, if you guys write reviews and leave the five stars, I will read them here on the podcast. And I don't know what direction I'm going with any of this stuff. I, I think I might just have to grab random ones from throughout our show's goofball history. Uh, But Mike from New York wrote the most recent one with the subject line, Danny Boy. Says, what can I say? I've listened to Dan's podcast every single day, either on the way or on the way home from work, depending on what time I upload it. Yeah, sorry about that. Since I found it earlier in the season. 
The man is one of, if not the best at what he does. You guys are giving me a swollen head here. If you're in a competitive or even casual fantasy league, listening to this podcast is a must. Thank you, man. I keep telling you guys you can write funny things. You guys just keep writing nice things. Dan will give you tips and tricks, review every single game before and after, and we'll just change the way you look at fantasy basketball. Keep up the great work, my man. My man indeed, Mike. Thanks a bunch. Those are very kind words. Uh, Again, I I will remind you guys, you could leave five stars and leave a review that says, you know, (laughs) Dan... uh, Dan's mother was a hamster, and his father smelt of elderberries, and I'd read that too. So anyway, thank you as always. If you can do it on iTunes, great. If you can't, do it on an Apple-branded mobile device. All you need to have is an iTunes account, and pretty much everybody in the universe has one at this point. We're all connected to Apple somehow. Boot up the podcast app on your mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Make sure to use the search function. Click on the show title. Scroll to the bottom, and that's where you can review it Review it on a mobile device. If you're on a computer and you just boot up iTunes, it's pretty easy One of the little drop-down windows is podcasts. You can search for Fantasy NBA Today in a very easy-to-find search window. It's just a lot easier to do on a computer. And if you've already done it, I would beg of you to do it on a relative's phone. Your spouse, significant other, whoever it might be, maybe a parent. Lord knows my mother hasn't reviewed any podcasts besides mine. (laughs) Maybe you guys can do the same. That'd be great. It's It's all part of our growth process. The more... Of these five stars we can rack up, the more the nice reviews that we can rack up, the better our growth on a year-over-year curve. Shout out to the guys at DFS Today also, by the way. I haven't given them nearly enough love on this thing, largely because they're just cranking out shows and it becomes this sort of very humdrum thing when you just have a reliable podcast out there all the time. But they're kicking ass, man, and they're growing This is not a time of the year where you usually see podcast growth in an NBA season, and yet, here we are. DFS today growing at one of the fading points of the NBA season. This is when people start to tune out a little bit. So they are dominating. Love the fact that the guys over at Today in Sports Betting are doing a wonderful job. The box score breakdown. We have four daily podcasts here at HoopBall nowadays. It's been an awesome, awesome year for the pod division. I couldn't possibly be more grateful to all of you guys for listening and for the folks working hard to get this stuff up, up, and off the ground. Let's do a quick review here on the Tuesday card. The Clippers were in Philadelphia, and again, Philly just good at home. They're good at home. It's like we forget because they go out on the road and they look horrible, and then the terrible stories start about how the team is fracturing and they're falling apart at the seams. They are 24 25, I think, and two at home, 9 and 19 on the road. It's really almost unprecedented. They are worse on the road than the Magic, the Bull. Well, they're the same as the Bulls, about the same as the Pistons, the Hornets, the Knicks. This is the, their, comp- their comparison on the road. Their comparison at home, the Bucks at 25 and 3. The Clippers, 22 and 5, are actually one of the nearest home beast masters in the NBA. The Sixers are quite an anomaly. Put them at home, they can beat anybody. Put them on the road, they can literally lose to anybody. From a fantasy standpoint, Kawhi Leonard ratcheted up a click. His teammates didn't. Landry Shamit had 19, but really nothing. Ivica Zubat's got 20 minutes, five fouls. They needed him to try to deal with Joel Embiid. 
Uh, Montrez Harrell struggled mightily, and he's really fallen off. This is a, a guy that I think we talked about at the beginning of the season. Would we go Montrez or Steven Adams? And I was on the Steven Adams side, and now it looks like neither one of them really is going to put up a big season. But Harrell, since that team's been healthy, he's totally fallen off a cliff. And believe it or not, they're at 114 and 115. They are neck and neck. There's no right answer to that question. The right answer is actually neither. Zubats is close, but he's not quite there. Marcus Morris actually looks okay in his new digs. I mean, obviously, he's not the lead dog. His usage was only 17, but he's logging huge minutes. He actually played about four minutes at center in this game. And you might see more of that when it's not Joel Embiid on the other side. He got into a fight with Embiid anyway. But he had 13-5, a block, three three-pointers. I mean, he's obviously going to be down from his time in New York, but I don't think that he's a drop. I think you're looking at, like, last year Boston Celtics' Marcus Morris now. And then Paul George will obviously be better. Lou Williams is way overvalued because of scoring and name recognition. For the Sixers, nice to see Josh Richardson get his minutes and production back up. He played 31 minutes, which pretty much took all of the fastball out from Matisse Thybul, who had three points, four boards. Furkan Korkmaz started the game, had it a uh, rebound? Did he have a sister? He had a rebound and a steal. That's it. Glenn Robinson started the second half in that spot, and he didn't do much either. And so you're looking at kind of the typical four, with Al Horford coming off the bench in this ballgame, still playing 28 minutes, having a quiet, well-rounded game. Listen, if I was a riverboat gambler, and there are times that I am, but this sort of isn't really the time of the season to do it, I would say buy low on Horford, because you could probably get him for like, a hot top 100 guy like a Tomas Sadoransky right now. If you could do that, I think you should do it. Um, but if it's going to cost you much more than that, I'd say just let somebody else ride this thing out because it, it's going to be weird. They tried it, and by all accounts, it worked. But it, I don't know that it worked because Orford was on the bench so much as Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Josh Richardson all played well on the same night because, you know, they were at home. Chicago decided they didn't want to defend even for a second, it could not be bothered. This, we shall not be bothered. Zach Levine had 41, tried desperately to keep his team in the ballgame, and really, I mean, by all accounts, kind of kept them in the ballgame. Sato is playing well with no Chris Dunn, but the Bulls are basically down by half their team. Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry and Otto Porter, Chris Dunn, these are all guys that played starters minutes when they were healthy. Denzel Valentine is out. Daniel Gafford didn't play, although it's not clear that he shouldn't have. Cristiano Felicio played 23 minutes, for goodness sake. Um, Zach Levine, Tomas Sadarans, you're basically the only Bulls I think you can trust. Maybe Thad Young here in the short term, but at this point, we're just waiting to see if anybody comes back after the All-Star break. For Washington, Bradley Beal, obviously, he's been playing very well. Rui looked really good in this game, not rebounding as much as I think we'll need him to, and the steals and blocks were a supreme anomaly. So you wipe those out, and this game gets a lot uglier. But he's a good percentages guy. You, you guys know I like percentages guys. He has some roto value in that respect. And he fits this sort of specialist profile. I often look for guys that can boost my percentages in roto. It's easy points. Most people don't focus on it. He's not going to be a top 100 guy. He'll probably be more like top 115, 125. But if he's doing it because of the percentages, there is a value to that. Meanwhile, we were watching the point guard spot and Mo Wagner. Wagner played 26 minutes, and if he's going to get that level of production with no Thomas Bryant, he's a must-start guy in the short term. But we did get a report late afternoon on Tuesday noting that Thomas Bryant was likely to be back after the All-Star break. So that kind of puts a lid on the Wagner streaming thing. 
If you want to do it, fine, but there are other guys that I'm looking at that have a little bit more rest-of-season appeal, including his teammate, Ish Smith, and or Shabazz Napier. We're still kind of waiting to see how this thing shakes itself out. They both played well in this game, and so Ish Smith got to rack up the extra bonus minutes as the starter. He played 28. Shabazz played uh, around 20, 19. I I mean, I don't know that... I'm starting to think neither one of these guys ends up with consistent fantasy value. Ish Smith is kind of your your punt threes in general. I know he had three and two in this ball game, but he's kind of an assist specialist to some degree. Shabazz, he's been very efficient with his new team, but 19 minutes just isn't going to get the job done. And obviously, if Thomas Bryant comes back, then you know maybe he's a guy you could scoop up if if he was mysteriously dropped to your waiver wire. Next one on the docket from this short but intriguing card of fantasy analysis is San Antonio, Oklahoma City. Nice road win for the Spurs. This was much needed. A Spurs team without DeMar DeRozan uh, sitting him through the all-star break here with back spasms. And, of course, that's left the door wide open on the scoring front because someone's got to take those shots. A lot of them going to LaMarcus Aldridge, 25 and 14. He's been, I mean, he's been fine. He's He's been LMA the whole year. He's just sort of like happily coasting along at a top 25 clip on a per-game basis. By the way, don't look now, and we'll get to him in a minute, but Chris Paul is number uh, 16 on a per-game basis on the season now. He's, he's somehow, since the time we talked about him earlier, he's gotten better. Keep sacrificing goats or whatever you're doing out there. I don't, I don't know what it is we're all doing, but it's it's holding him together with, with string and, and plaster. Uh, DeJounte Murray's been going hot. Derek White got a chance to go a little bit bigger in this one. They actually played those two guys together for stretches, which is a big deal. But again, a lot of that can be on the DeMar DeRozan back spasms. I, I know I, I was starting to write off Derek White. He came back strong in this one. Presumably, anytime DeRozan is out, he and Murray get a kick. Uh, I still think they're a four team, a four player fantasy team but white is the one that's been a bit questionable up until this ball game oklahoma city i don't know what's going on with nerland's noel right now um i think you're probably going to see him start to hit some waiver wires which i am totally fine with because he's a guy that i've been targeting basically the entire season i'm fairly certain he'll be fine uh he's still number 65 overall in the year this game was a big time anomaly he didn't play well he picked up some fouls and he's slumping right now i mean there's no way around it But his value, as it has been all season long, is tied up in field goal percent, not missing free throws, steals, and blocks. He does the four categories that you guys know I love the most. And lately, the steals and blocks actually haven't been that bad, which is kind of remarkable because you look at the last month, he's still number 51. And over the last two weeks, despite really looking like he's been playing horribly, and, and this ball game will, will weigh him down a bit, uh, he's sitting out, you know, the last two weeks, he's, he's kind of sitting near the edge of the top 100. Last week, obviously, he's more towards the edge of the top 200. People get very impatient. He'll bounce back. Uh, this is how his season's gone. When, when Steven Adams has been fully healthy, Noel's been in that kind of 18 to 22-minute range. Uh, this one, again, kind of the outlier there. So if he gets dropped in your league, I would throw in a waiver claim on him. What he does in percentages, steals, and blocks, you just you really can't find in that many players across the NBA. New Orleans blew out Portland. Uh, Zion had 31 and five assists. Actually managed to pass the ball a little bit in this ball game, and the Pelicans put up 40-4-0 assists in this basketball game. Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball each had 10. Brandon Ingram sat this one out. 
Of course, you got the lower Derek Favors minutes total because of the blowout, that, and and they're going to be. That's the guy that's always going to see the biggest minutes hit if they don't. Uh, if the game's a blowout, they're just they're not going to bring him in in the fourth quarter under any circumstance. And he still was fine. Six and seven is not. I mean, you'd want a little bit more, but a steal and a block, three out of four shooting. I'm not worried about it. We've talked about this a thousand times. He's going to play about 26, 27 minutes in a close ball game, and he's going to be around 20 to 22 in a blowout. And it's going to average out to about 24, probably 25, based on you know how many games are blowouts or how many are competitive. And that's more than enough for him to be a top 80 type fantasy guy. Drew Holiday is going to be very good whenever Brandon Ingram is out, and he's going to still be decent even when Ingram's around. Josh Hart, J.J. Redick see the biggest jumps when Ingram sits because of the usage discrepancy. And uh, Lonzo Ball has been quietly kind of humming along a little bit. So no big changes on our assessment of what's been going on in New Orleans these days. For Portland, Hassan Whiteside had a low block total game. Trevor Reza went into steals only mode. Dame and CJ had a tough time against a team that, by the way, historically, New Orleans has given Portland kind of a tough time. And Melo continues to be a points league guy and nothing else. We've been getting some Yusuf Nurkic questions, and I guess we can pause and just mention his name briefly here. I don't really know what to expect. I know we got a word that he strained a calf mildly in his recovery from all this other stuff. One of the things that I think we're all overlooking, this was a gruesome leg injury, remember? This was like ACL tear plus. Because not only did they have to rehab the one area, everything had to set. There's there's going to be all these weird fear elements. I mean, that, that creeps into the ACL stuff as well. But for a big man who can't do conditioning stuff, that's a rough go, man. Even when Yusuf gets back, he's not going to be himself for a little while after that. So he's not one of my top stashes. He really wasn't at any point this year. And unless we get some sort of really favorable report on him here in the next... I don't know, week and a half? I mean, he's a guy that I struggle to to stash in, in almost any capacity. Boston and Houston. Boston dealing with the small ball Rockets. They didn't move away from it in any in any way. Rockets went extremely thin. Uh, seven, no, eight-man rotation in this ballgame. If you count the, the couple of minutes that Tabo Cephalosha played, P.J. Tucker, Russell Westbrook, Daniel Haas, Rob Covington, James Harden. They're basically just going to play the entire ballgame right now uh, while Eric Gordon is out, and when he comes back, he'll probably take it over minutes. Cephalosha and Austin Rivers were soaking up. The, the, the good thing, I guess, to come away from this whole Rockets small ball experiment is that it's turned Daniel House back into a viable fantasy player as the full-time small forward. Um... I'm a little surprised that P.J. Tucker hasn't been able to do more on the rebounding front. I honestly believe that he's so exhausted from dealing with centers the entire ballgame that he just doesn't have the fortitude to go grab a bunch of rebounds. And so he'll just guard a center and then box him out, and somebody else is going to have to go grab it. And so that means you basically have four wings competing for some 30 to 50 rebounds a ballgame. And that's that's a pretty good spot to be because no matter how good Russell Westbrook is at grabbing rebounds, he's not going to get more than his eight or nine. James Harden is going to get his six or seven. Covington's going to get his six or seven. And that's going to leave probably five to eight for Daniel House in a lot of ball games. Hit a couple threes, grab a couple steals. He's back inside the top 100. And I think Daniel House has finally come back. My old friend, my old spirit animal has come back to me. And sadly, P.J. Tucker remains a drop. You know who else is a drop? Anis Cantor. 
He has moved to the outside. Uh, th- I was wondering about this ballgame on yesterday's podcast, if they would use Cantor as a guy that could maybe go beat up on the Rockets' center, whoever it might be at, at that moment, usually P.J. Tucker, and, and just go kind of try to wear him out on the offensive glass a little bit. But it cost them too much with Cantor not being able to chase guys out to the perimeter. And so Daniel Tice, when he's healthy, he's going to play giant minutes. I'm not worried about Robert Williams. Uh, he'll just, I think he'll take minutes away from Cantor, if anything. Tice is getting 25 to 30 minutes of ball game or more, and he's going to be, I think, a top 80 center the rest of the way. I'm very high on Daniel Tice. I've made that quite clear for about the better part of two months now, and nothing that I've seen outside of his ankle injury has given me any pause on that front. I, I love it. I love what he's been able to do. And uh, he looks locked in. So, cool. Go go get yourself some Daniel House and enjoy the fruits of that labor. That's 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 where we're sitting on all this stuff. He actually hit two free throws as I'm recording this. That ball game is, uh, is very close to over right now. Taking a look ahead here at the big Wednesday. This is sort of the last meaningful card before we hit the All-Star break. Clippers, Celtics, Thunder, and Pelicans play tomorrow, but not a ton of stuff we're keeping an eye on in those ball games. But today, there's plenty. Detroit at Orlando. I don't give a crap about Orlando, but I do give multiple craps about Detroit. I give multiple craps about Detroit. Christian Wood, Thon Maker, uh, Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown. There's all this stuff swirling around with that club. And then if Derrick Rose and or Luke Kennard ever play again, that'll complicate matters further. I kind of like Thon Maker right now, and I think you'll see him here dealing with Nick Vucevic. I I don't know that they trust... Uh, Christian Wood to be the big defensive center yet. He could very easily handle if they're rolling Kem Birch out at power forward on that opposite side. Uh, So I I think this could actually be a pretty good game for both of the Detroit centers. Atlanta at Cleveland, I I believe we're without Clint Capella, if I'm not mistaken for this one. I think he's been ruled out already, but uh, someone can correct me if, if he's been upgraded in some capacity. Keeping an eye on the Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish situation when when Reddish is ready to go. Uh, what does that do for... And then Jeff Teague also, by the way, is kind of in that mix. Uh, eventually, it feels like they're going to end up canceling each other out, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll stay tuned on that front. Cleveland, this is game two for Andre Drummond. It's Larry Nance is the guy I'm watching on this team. I think everybody will eventually settle in around Drummond in that starting unit. Colin Sexton was playing very well before the trade. I think he'll sort of refine where he needs to be uh, with the new big man. Kevin Love, I think he's going to struggle. I mean, you know, a lot of his value is tied up in rebounding, and Drummond's going to get all of those. And then my other question is, what the hell's going on with Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance? What are, the, what are their minutes going to look like? Nance got 20 minutes in his last ball game, which actually, believe it or not, that's that usually is enough to get him into that top 125, 130 territory. It's when he gets to 24 or higher that he can really start to put a punch into things, and it's why I desperately want to hang on to him for just... One more ball game. We got to give him just one more itty-bitty, little itty-bitty ball game. I know he's been dropped in a ton of places, and ultimately that might end up being the right move. You know, I'm not going to say that that's not something you should do because it looks like he's in real trouble. If he ever plays alongside Andre Drummond, it's going to kill his opportunities to rebound. He didn't have any assists in that last ball game. That's one of the things he usually does with that second unit. It was an ugly ball game. They lost by uh, 40 points to the Clippers. But I can't punt on him yet because, I mean, let's remember here, even going back as recently as uh, about a month ago when he came back from his injury 
in mid-January, he played 18 and a half minutes in his first game, and he wasn't very good. And then he was hovering around 24 basically every game since then, and he was sitting near the top 60. When healthy, he can be a top 100 guy even in 20 minutes a game. He has the he barely, he could barely get there. So this is why I want to hang on. It's, it's tough to part with guys that have the ability to make an impact quickly like that, to make an impact quickly like that. And so just hang on a tiny bit longer, if you can, because if he hangs on, he's going to be a guy you'll be really upset if you dropped him too early. Toronto at Brooklyn. Uh, by all accounts, Norman Powell, Marcus Gasol still out for the Raptors, so do whatever you did in the last ball game. I don't think OG Ananobi keeps up that torrid pace. He'll go, you know, one really good game and about three or four bad ones. Brooklyn, we've been seeing more DeAndre Jordan lately. This feels like a kind of game where you might see more Jared Allen. Just if I had to guess based on the competition. Milwaukee, Indiana, you know, we're getting the Indiana look here. I'm seeing Jeremy Lamb on waiver wires a lot. Uh, I know he's had a couple of less than stellar games. He's still number 73 overall in the season. I would give him some time. I know he's number 130 over the last month, but, you know, his percentages are good. He'll get you steals, low turnovers. I think he could actually settle in as the backup two and sign of the wing scorer in the second unit on this team. He's done that in spots before. He did that in Charlotte, uh, and, and he was able to put up some decent numbers there. So he's another guy that just has proven value that I don't think I can move along from yet. Maybe I will. I might still, but not yet. Washington, we're, we're still kind of feeling them out as well. Uh, Mo Wagner, what can he do? How long will Thomas Bryant be out? Shabazz Napier versus Ish Smith, the battle that Ish is winning right now, but both guys playing relatively well. For the Knicks, I don't care. I really don't. I mean, they're, they are what they are at this point. Charlotte also kind of are what they are. There's really there's really no fluctuation. Minnesota, I'm watching James Johnson, Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez. There's a lot of things to keep track of in Minnesota. There's the key notes. I'm oddly high on James Johnson right now, and this game could very well pop that bubble quickly. Um, but I would give him the time of day. I mean, if, what if he got back to being a 1-1-1 guy? It's a difference maker. But, I, I, you know, what are the odds of that? 20%? 20% odds he can be a top 85 guy? Nah, maybe lower even. 15%? 20-25% he can be a top 100 guy? Eh, something to keep an eye on. Honestly, he might end up with better fantasy value than Wancho Herman Gomez, even as the the reliever, the reliever on this team. Because Wancho is really points and rebounds and some threes. Beasley has a chance to be more than that, with free throw percent, steals, three-pointers, and some other stuff mixed in. Portland on the back-to-back, I think they'll be pretty pissed off about getting smoked in New Orleans. This should be, I, I think Portland will play well in Memphis. Grizzlies, uh, look for some DeAnthony Melton bounce back here. And if he doesn't, look for people to drop him and you can pick him up over the All-Star break because he's going to be good the rest of the way. question is when this slump wears off. I know he's dealing with a hand thing. Remember, uh, that could be impacting stuff. His shot is off right now. When it comes around, he's going to storm the league and he's going to be playing 24 minutes a game. And that's enough for uh, top 80 if he gets to 24 minutes, just based on his permanent numbers. Miami, Utah, not a whole lot to keep track of here. Mike Conley questionable with an illness. Uh, Miami just has 1,000 players. One of you guys is going to get caught with your pants down when Jay Crowder has his bad ball game, and it might be this one. But there's a little bit of uh, revenge thing going on if you believe in that stuff um, for Crowder. So maybe he has another good ball game, but he's not a 55-60% shooter, so it's going to even out. 
Phoenix, they're having issues with DeAndre Ayton, Dario Sharch. I don't think he's played in a little while either. I don't know what they're going to do in this one. Golden State, opportunity for Marquise Chris to just go dunk on some people. And then the Lakers are in Denver, and it comes, of course, down to who plays for the Nuggets, who's healthy, and the Lakers are a two-man operation. So not much we're keeping track of in that one. But boy, there's plenty of watch on the card tonight. Detroit, a lot of stuff. Cleveland, a lot of stuff. Atlanta, some stuff. Eh, not a lot, but some stuff. Indiana, some stuff. Washington, a lot of stuff. Minnesota, a ton of stuff. Grizzlies, some stuff. I skipped over Sacramento-Dallas after we got that god-awful Rashawn Holmes report, uh, which... I you know I don't even I don't even want to talk about this. But by the way, just just in case it wasn't completely clear, on the Marvin Bagley front, I have no problem if you guys drop Marvin Bagley. I just I was never that high on him this year, which you guys probably got from my draft shows way the hell back when. Rashawn Holmes, you can't drop him. You know I, I listen. I I got to make a point on Rashawn Holmes. I, I I even though we're not paying a, a ton of attention to this Sacramento Dallas game because Dallas is a freaking variety pack. My, by the way, we might get Luca back for this ball game. And Sacramento, you, you kind of know what you're getting. Nemanja Bielitsa and his voodoo doll are doing just fine. On the Rashawn Holmes front, I'm seeing way too many should I drop him questions. No. You gotta let this two to three week thing go. Let the reevaluation happen. If they say he's gonna be out another two to three weeks after that, then you might consider the drop. But this is a top 25 guy. We have no idea if Marvin Bagley's playing the rest of the year. There's a chance that Rashawn Holmes gets healthy, plays, and has the starting center job to himself the rest of the season. There's a chance of that, where he plays 30 minutes a game and is a top 25 guy again. Look at the other guys in your league ranked near Rashawn Holmes. You guys want to know the four guys in front and behind him on the season? Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, Freddie Van Vliet, LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Vucevic, Bradley Beal, Clint Capella, Devin Booker. You know who I haven't been asked if I should drop? Any of those guys. Any of those eight names I just mentioned. There's no one, and forget the people in front of Rashawn Holmes. Let's just look at the people behind him that have actually been healthy for the most of the season. I haven't been asked if I should drop any of those guys until you get all the way down to poof. The 50s. Mitchell Robinson is probably the Nerlens Noel in that range. Late 50s, early 60s. That's probably the first guys that I've been asked, should I drop this guy? Wait, no, Robert Covington. Somebody asked me if they should drop Robert Covington, and he's at 43 right now. So this comes down to a mental aspect of fantasy basketball that we all need to find a way to get over. When does a guy become more than a, a waiver wire pickup? At what point during the season can we safely say this guy is this value? It's not a, a set thing. You know, guys have hot stretches for a month, two months. But we've been watching Rashawn Holmes for two and a half years, for three years at this point. We, we've always known what he could do if he got starters minutes. So this isn't that big of a surprise. The surprise is that Marvin Bagley's been hurt the entire year, and the Kings actually didn't step on their own wieners and played Rashawn Holmes when he was healthy. But you guys have to stop thinking about him like someone you can just drop if they're out two to three weeks. I know there's a lot of nebulous stuff going on here. And, and hearing that it's a labral tear instead of a strain changes the way we reacted to it. But he's been out for a month now. So he's, he's a month into whatever this recovery might be. Even if it takes another month, 
that puts you in, you know, middle of the second week of March with still a month of the season left. And you might just be starting your playoffs at that point. So you'll obviously have a decision to make. But if he comes back, and I'm in a lot of Roto Leagues, you guys know this about me, literally I will hold him until the very last second of the NBA season. Because any games you can get out of a top 30 guy are absurdly valuable. Unless we find out he's being shut down for the year, I am not dropping him. And in head-to-head, unless he is out, he is physically missing playoff games, I'm not dropping him. He's not a waiver wire ad anymore. He's not someone that just might come back and help your team a little bit. If he plays, he is a large difference maker for your fantasy team. He is at worst a top 50 guy. And at best, top 20. More than likely, he'll fall somewhere in between those two things. You do not drop those guys if they have the chance to play in your fantasy playoffs if they have the chance to give you five or six weeks of production the rest of the year. You don't. Other than extenuating circumstances. Again, if he starts to miss playoff games, I get it. If you're the sixth seed and you're about to fall out of the playoff picture and he's your only injured guy, well, that's just a bad spot to be in. That's a pretty specific thing. Or if you're in like the seventh seed and you need to gain two games, I would sooner... Honest to goodness, I would sooner drop some top 90 type of guys and just stream those spots and cover up the fact that I have an injured Rashawn Holmes on my team. I legitimately would do that. I would drop who the hell's sitting in that. When the hell did Malcolm Brogdon fall to number 85, by the way? I didn't, didn't, I did not notice that happening. I would drop a healthy Mikael Bridges, Daniel House, Willie Colley, nah, screw that guy, Josh Hart. I will drop these healthy players to stream their spots to keep Rashawn Holmes if I'm pushing for a playoff spot. This, he will, he has the ability to win you categories that no one pays attention to. 66% field goal shooting on 8.4 per game. You guys want to know the elite company he's in in field goal percent impact this year? He's up with Clint Capella, Giannis, as basically the, own, the second tier behind Rudy Gobert who has the most, the highest positive field goal impact of anybody in the NBA. It's Rudy Gobert is in a tier all by himself, and then the next tier down is Giannis, Rashawn Holmes, and Clint Capella. Only one of those three guys, only one of those four guys can actually make his free throws. You guys want to know who's ranked the highest out of all of those guys? Rashawn freaking Holmes! By the way, Hassan Whiteside is is not far off from that group as well in field goal percent. Would you ever consider dropping any of those guys? Hell no. I get it. He only scored 13 points a game. Positive impact rebounder. Positive impact in steals. Positive impact in blocks. Giant positive impact in field goal percent. Positive impact in free throws. Positive impact in turnovers. He only hurts you in threes but he's a center so who cares and one assist per game he's helpful to good in seven categories basically six and a half we'll call it since points is meh basically neutral you can't drop a guy like that i ended up talking longer than i intended to on this one big thank you once again to brandon marcus i am dan vespers Big thank you to all of you guys for dropping those five-star reviews on the pod. Again, check out our guys at Hoop Ball Gaming 
And if you're going to follow those dudes, make sure to do it at mybookie.ag with the promo code TODAY. T-O-D-A-Y is the promo code. You get a 50% deposit bonus and go win some money on top of it. Take the 50% bonus from mybookie.ag. Roll that into extra money by following our guys at Hoopball Gaming. Ira, Josh, Devin, and Neil crushing it every damn day. And their podcast growing every week. It's awesome. 20% one week. 15% jump. 20% jump again. Go check it out. That's called Today in Sports Betting. Shout out to those dudes. Shout out to the DFS guys as well. Have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Break down the Wednesday card. Look at some Thursday games. And then, oh, I'm excited. Friday, we get to talk betting on All-Star Weekend. I'm excited about that one. If it wasn't, you know, obvious. Toodaloo, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.